and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who and the Sarah Jane Adventures. But this week, just Doctor Who. <laughs> My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the compartmentalised Matt. Hello there. Well, Matt, then. So, this week, it's a bit of a first for us. Yeah. We, we we are dedicating a regular episode of the podcast to a big finish story. So, you know, I said up top, um, we're doing Doctor Who this week. There will be some within the fandom who are very sneery about uh, the non-televised extended universe works who uh, may take an opposing view on that. Um, but we shall pay them no heed um, and, and, and pr- press on. Yeah, if you do, if you don't like it, just just put something else on. Yeah, it's it's not like there isn't other stuff out there. Yeah, like if you even if you exclusively wanted to consume nothing but Doctor Who podcasts for the rest of your life, you could probably do that at this point. There's enough of them out there. Oh no, I was thinking just like just listen to Money for Nothing by Dire Straits instead. Yeah. That's an option. Yeah. Um, go for a walk. That's yeah. always nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it basically, that's what we're doing this week, like it or lump it. I think yeah, if you don't like it, get out. Most people, most people do like it. I think, broadly speaking, most Doctor Who fans these days are happy to embrace at least some of what Big Finish do. Um, I think... To be a big Finnish completionist, one, that is a very expensive uh, hobby. Uh, and two... It's also a waste of a life, David. <laughs> like an absolute waste Your words, of a life. Your not mine. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, we, we're indulging on this one occasion at least and uh, diving into the world of big Finnish. So um, if you've not already, listeners, I would recommend... Uh, you seek out a copy of Storm Warning. I forget which number of the main range it is, but if you Google Big Finish Storm Warning, that will definitely come up. It is available on Spotify. Um, it is ordinarily £2.99 on the Big Finish website, and it is frequently discounted from that being, as it is part of the first 50 of the main range. So... Um, Yes, it is paid for content, and normally we don't really like to cover um, that sort of stuff if we can avoid it, but it, it's it's certainly on the cheaper end of the spectrum. So hopefully something that is accessible to uh, to most of you out there. Um, like, if, if it's a problem, like, just send me a message and I'll save you David's login for the Big Finish app. <laughs> and, like, get it for free. He's got loads of stories downloaded. Yeah, I, I do have quite a few on my uh, on my account. It's true. Yeah. Mm. So, Matt. Anyway, enough of that preamble. Uh, how's your week been? Uh, it's been okay. I'm on summer holidays now, so I think since we spoke last, probably just had like an easy mm-hmm. wind down week end of the school year. Uh, Must be nice. Not really done anything since. Had a Excellent. big day off on Saturday, just a big lie-in, sat in my pants for most of the day. Yesterday, uh, luxury. went out for Sunday lunch, and that was nice, that was lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just taking it easy. 
Good, good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I've got a a a holiday coming up in in a little bit, and uh, man, it cannot come soon enough. Yeah. Um. I've I've basically since starting my new job in September, I've I've had the odd sort of day here and there, but I've not really had a a proper holiday. Um. So I I need it at this point. <laughs> I really do, uh, and yeah, I'm I'm going to a gig as well on um, uh, middle of. Are you uh, going to see Dire Straits? I am not going to see Dire Straits. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm going to see the progressive rock supergroup Transatlantic. Ah, oh, if it's not Dire Straits, I don't care. <laughs> you you want a bit of a Dire Straits kick? It, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was the first song that came into my head earlier, but I guess that's the theme <laughs> of this week's episode. <laughs> Apparently so. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I'm looking forward to all of that. I'll tell you what I have been doing this week though, Matt. I don't know whether you'll have opinions on this or not. I imagine you will. Um, I picked up, now that I've got a PC that can handle it, I picked up a copy of, uh, No Man's Sky on okay. Steam, which was half price. I, I don't know that I ever need any other games again. Really? I love it. I love it. I, I um I, I'm still very much at the early stages of getting my head round uh you know, the, the intricacies of it, and I will be for, for for a long time because I can only play sort of half an hour snatched here and there. But there is something about just the joy of being deposited on a procedurally generated alien world. And just feeling like I've stepped into the cover of a of a nineteen fifty sci fi novel, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is sort of everything. This is what computers have been leading up to. Uh, see, <laughs> as far as what, I'm concerned, what I've been playing for a bit of Zen, just a bit of quiet. Yeah. I've just been playing Minecraft, but I've not actually been doing any mining. I've just been like tending to my cows and planting loads of trees. Uh-huh. And just basically, like, I don't know, terraforming this planet in my own image. Oh, that, that's lovely as well. I do like a bit of Minecraft. I, I'll be honest. I don't know about you, Matt. I only ever play Minecraft on peaceful mode. Oh, no. You're, you're the worst. The only thing lower <laughs> than have... that is playing it on bloody creative mode or whatever it's called. <laughs> I, I have... Absolutely no interest in encountering uh, any any kind of uh, aggressive entities in Minecraft. I just want to wander around and dig things and build strange follies. Um, that's, what, what I like that's to how do I play is Minecraft. Um, go hunting for pillagers and then display their banners on the walls of my castle as it's the equivalent of putting their heads on a spike. <laughs> like, I, I am a fearsome entity in my Minecraft world. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, but I, I think it, it, it does say something. Like, the fact that I gravitated towards No Man's Sky and have just been kind of finding moments of peace, just wandering around on, like, barren 
icy landscapes, I think is probably an indicator that I definitely do need that holiday. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly sounds it. And may, maybe some help as well. Like <laughs> psychological help. Who knows? Um, but yeah. So have you, you, you've never played it then? Or you just uh, I played it for a bit, but I didn't really like it. But I didn't want to say that because you were being so positive about it. <laughs> it's, I, I can definitely see how it's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, I, I can definitely see how for some it would just be quite a dry game. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it, it works for me. It works for me, it must be said. Um, but, yeah, other than that... Um, no, I don't think I... Did you I've... want to bring back non-TV, uh, non-Doctor Who TV highlight of the week, Matt? Um, we could do. We're circling around it at the moment. Um, that was, I think it was, was it Jake from Married to Who was strongly yeah. advocated for that? He wanted yeah. what my mum's was. When I went to my mum's house this yeah. morning, they were watching Young Sheldon. Oh, really? Yeah, but that's because my niece and nephew were staying there and my niece is only like seven, so she was watching it. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. My mum and dad looked like they'd rather be anywhere else. <laughs> Um, but I, I finished Miss Marvel today. I shotgunned all of that in one sitting. Oh, uh, my partner and I watched it in uh, over the course of three nights, but we also finished it off uh, this week. I've basically skipped Moon Knight. First time I've ever, I think, watched some MCU stuff out of order since Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, I watched the first... Uh, most of the first episode of Moon Knight and then had to stop it um and, and i was like oh, i'll come back to that later and then i, I was sat with my partner one evening and i was just like i know you're not normally into marvel stuff but can we give ms marvel a go and she got really into it yeah um, I, I quite liked it like it, it's not without yeah. its charm is it no no i mean it's it's definitely not perfect i think apart from anything else six episodes left it feeling a little rushed mm. at some points um, and spoilers for the final episode, listeners. I, I don't really understand what happened when she she punched a big hole. Yeah. And uh, did she just, like, hide that guy in the big hole? Is he going to, like, tunnel to the harbour? Who knows? Like some sort of, you know... Uh, I, that, that that was very unclear to me, what 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 that happened there in, in that final episode. Uh, but broadly speaking, I thought it was great performances, um, good, very good dialogue. And I, I just, I genuinely love when you give people who have different life experiences to me, the opportunity to make something cool mm-hmm. because they're going to make something cool that I could never dream of. And, at, and that is a good thing. It, it's important to say as well, at the end, it turns out she's a mutant and the post credit scene, she swaps places with Captain Marvel. I love ruining films for people, David, and I'll do it for TV <laughs> shows as well. <laughs> they thought they were safe with Multiverse of Madness. I'll watch anything and spoil it. Uh, but yeah, so I, I mean, I'm a, a great addition to the MCU. Um, 
I think they were they were dropping all kinds of stuff about on, on Comic Con, weren't they? Yeah, was, I need uh, to sit down and watch it properly. Um, mm. Like I say, I watched all of that and then I left it too late, forgetting that Storm Warning that we're doing for the pod was yeah. two hours long. Um, yeah. So that's been my afternoon. Um, so I think up, we can probably already assume that you hated it just because you had to binge it at short notice and probably resented it the entire time it was on. So, uh, a gentleman never tells, David. <laughs> um, but then, next up, I'm going to start watching The Boys. I've never watched any of that, but all my friends say it's amazing. Yeah, my brother keeps telling me I should watch it, but um, I don't know. I've I've never signed up for Amazon Prime. <laughs> and I can give you my login if you want. Uh you know, if, I, if I'm going to have your big finish, you can have my Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, for me, it's more a matter of I know I don't have enough. To, I don't have enough time to really dedicate and get my money's worth out of too many different streaming services. Um, Disney Plus isn't going anywhere because of Marvel and. Uh, some some stuff on there that little Zorbs like uh, likes, and it's usually easy enough to find something that me and my partner can both agree on. Uh, on there, Netflix, I like us. I like some of their animated stuff, um, mm-hmm. and again, it's got all of Octonauts on there, which is little Zorbs' go to, still. Um, so that's not going anywhere. BritBox, that's my personal indulgence so that I can, you know, throw on, uh, a, you know, a, a Peter Davison story at short notice. Mm-hmm. or uh, And I keep telling myself I'm going to watch Blake Seven at some point, but I've, there's oh, been no, no progress on David. that. That is a waste <laughs> of a life as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so between those three... I'm already spending a lot on uh, streaming services, and I'm like, sod it, Bezos doesn't need my pounds, um, and I don't, I don't care. I know that there is stuff on there that I would like. Yes, I would probably get find something interesting in the boys. Yes, I would probably enjoy at least in part aspects of this new Lord of the Rings series they're doing, uh, all the rest of it, but. You know what? I also don't need it. It's fine. It's. I, I think what's what's really happened to me these last few years is I've really made peace with just missing out on stuff. Mm-hmm. See, I tried to convince myself that was the case with Miss Marvel. I was like, I yeah. watched first episode on release and I was like, I'll catch up. And then I was like, oh, do you know what? I just don't have time. And then today I was like, nope, I'm going to watch all of it in one go. Yeah. I think that's the thing. If I had a bit more free time, I'd probably make a little more of an effort to keep up with stuff. But as things stand, I'm just like, yeah, no, it it, it couldn't like... I mean, like, the Wheel of Time <laughs> series came out and... There was there was a period in my life when I would not have missed the opportunity to watch a bit of epic high fantasy on TV because that that's the sort of thing that that, that doesn't come around that often or at least didn't at one point, 
now everybody's trying to do it post Game of Thrones. Um, but now I'm just like, eh. if I if I literally never saw that series, I don't think I would be too bothered. See, uh, one thing I have watched this week is normally yeah. I, I don't watch films at home. Like, yeah. it, it has to be either something really good or something I really want to see. But nine times out of ten, if I really want to see it, I go to the cinema. Like, I love going to the cinema. So yeah. I, I don't often watch films at home. And one I'd thought about seeing at the cinema, but I wasn't that fussed about, but it was out on Disney Plus this week. I watched the Bob's Burgers movie. Oh, yes. How was that? Um, it was perfect background TV. Mm-hmm. It, it was just like a long episode of Bob's Burgers. <laughs> yeah, I should probably get on that. I I weirdly fell off Bob's Burgers uh, like a couple of seasons ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was because I, I, I really, really liked that show for a long time. And then I... I there's been, uh, there's a bit I think the, the the season before last I've tried multiple times to get back into it and it's just I don't know the charm seemed to be gone somehow mm-hmm. I can't put my finger on it at all um but yeah I should probably give it a watch at some point but yeah no I don't think I've watched much else yeah. Well, um, that's probably enough on that for now, to be honest. Yeah. Um, shall we do... Um, I, I should check in with you. Any thoughts on uh, how we can make Wheel of the Meek a thing? Well, I, I've come up with a, a good one this week. Oh, okay. okay. Right. Now, you and I both know our listeners are just the worst like detritus of humankind. Yeah, no, a- absolute just Absolutely just loathsome characters. So yes. what I thought we could do is have a look at their shoes. <laughs> right, okay. And we call it Heel of the Geek. Oh dear. Okay, so are we are we uh, accepting solicitations for that then? Um, no, because we we've probably got some weird foot fetishists amongst our listeners. <laughs> but I thought what we could do, David, is right. We could take up ornithology, mm-hmm. which is the study of birds for our uncultured listeners, and yeah. I thought we could really admire the coloursome bill of exotic birds. Right, okay. Yeah, and we could call it Teal of the Beak. Mmm. I'm trying to think. Are there are there any birds that have got... Oh, yes, there are. There's that kind of duck, isn't there? Mmm. Is it a ruddy duck? Quite possibly. I think they've got a, uh, got a nice sort of turquoise beak. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. T- tail of the beak. Tick. Sorted. Yeah. yeah. So just uh, to confirm, Meal of, that'll, my, that'll meal of the Week is never back. coming back. But this joke no. where we do parody sound alikes will go probably, 
if we can spin it out till October, David, uh, Wheelie Big Quiz will be back before long. <laughs> I'm sure we can make that happen. Yeah. So enjoy that, listeners. Um, right. Do you want a bit of news, Matt? Always. Let me boot up the ever-reliable searchwise.net and deliver unto you. Have I got who's for you? You're not going to edit this, are you? No, not really. Content I might just put edit in some dire straits. Juliet, <laughs> when we made love, you used yeah. to cry. I love you like the stars above. I love you till I die. You know, I don't think I could name a single dire straits song. Hmm. That's upsetting. Every week on Who Can Convince You, they do karaoke. Should we just do some Dire Straits? Uh, well, uh, I would be at a serious disadvantage. Mm. Okay. All right, we'll do one okay. of your bands. We'll do whatever they're called, like the Fudge Scissors, or whatever it is you listen to. <laughs> you know? The Potato Growers Association of Bristol. <laughs> I would definitely listen to a band with that name. Yeah. Um, right, right, Matt. Um, I've got a bit of Doctor Who news here. So, IGN. Um, in fact, there are variations on this from uh, quite a few uh, sources. So I'll go with the first title uh, here, which is IGN's one. Doctor Who, Disney Plus reportedly wants to add new series. Um, Also being covered on the AV Club, Giant Freaking Robot. Uh, Doctor Who TV slash film. Um, so, uh, you know, take your pick out of those sources. That is the big Doctor Who news this week. It seems almost to the exclusion of everything else. I could mention it's not coming up in my search here, um, but I did read uh, just a couple of hours ago the sad news of the passing of uh, David Warner. Yeah, that was um, all over the internet earlier on. Yeah, which is genuinely... Um, you know, I'm very upset about, I mean, Tron and Time Bandits are two films that were very uh, formative experiences to me. I had both taped off the telly and uh, watched them more times than was healthy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, in terms of Doctor Who, he was uh, in uh, Cold War which is an underrated story, and also played his own alternate universe version of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And I think in in due course, that's maybe something I'd like us to tackle. Maybe have a listen to um, one of the, the Unbound Doctor um, stories and, and see what you think of his take on Doctor Who. Um, but anyway, that's not coming up on here. All I'm getting is this Disney Plus news. So... Uh, who do you want to go with? Uh, do you want to do IGN, AV Club, um, Slash Film? 
Comicbook.com. Uh, yeah, let's go with Comicbook.com. Yeah. I don't know why they're covering it, because um, Doctor Who, not primarily a comic book yes, series. Yes, stay in your uh, mind, Disney nerds. Plus, not, not a comic book publisher. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so Disney Plus is in discussions to stream Doctor Who. Bloomberg reports that the company is in talks with the British Broadcasting Corporation to acquire the rights to a new Doctor Who series. The outlet is quick to point out that this is all still very pre preliminary. Nothing is definite, but this would be a big shake-up for the brand. BBC would still air the programme as well, but globally, Disney Plus would handle streaming. As the streaming landscape becomes even more crowded, special programming is a necessity to keep bringing audiences in. Just like with live TV before it, there's been, there has to be a reason to tune in. Doctor Who is a worldwide brand, that brings in millions of viewers each year, uh, each season, sorry. Uh, getting it on Disney+, Plus, however, would bring a lot of those fans into the fold. However, the BBC isn't going to give up its most popular global programme without a substantial agreement. Um, and then it just goes on to summarise some recent news, you know, RTD coming back, shooting out were being announced as the... the um, so this is probably more of interest to our international listeners than us, because I imagine uh, the BBC will retain streaming rights for the UK. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, all the back catalogue of, of New Who is all on iPlayer and has been for, for a good few years at this point. Prior to that, it was on Netflix, but it, it sort of reverted to iPlayer. And I think they're happy to have it as a substantial thing to get people... Uh, uh, jumping onto iPlayer with some regularity. Um, and obviously the classic stuff, that's uh, BritBox. I can't imagine Disney Plus being terribly fussed about Classic Who. Um, I, I don't know, because surely it is one of the big draws for BritBox. Oh, so, yeah. So if, if, if you make uh, it Brit exclusive... Lost, yeah. If BritBox lost Classic Who... It would fold overnight. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I don't really know of anyone who is a BritBox subscriber that isn't subscribed primarily for Doctor Who. But having said that, I you know I move within Doctor Who fandom circles, so maybe that's a bit of a self-selecting audience. But I mean, do you know of anyone other than me that subscribed to BritBox? Uh, no, I was going to say me, but I use your login. You do, you do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in two minds about this map because, on the one hand, uh, it is great for international viewers to have easy access to Doctor Who. I want, you know, for Doctor Who to continue. It needs to be seen and it needs to be popular. And a platform like Disney Plus increases its visibility and ensures, to some extent, its longevity. I think more so than... I think it's currently residing on HBO in America, HBO Max. Mm -hmm. 
And that seems like a slightly odder fit to me because, you know, HBO is more of a more of an adult focused kind of a provider from from my understanding. Um, and Doctor Who is the epitome of get the whole family together TV. Um, so it kind of fits with Disney's brand on that level, but also I would worry about Disney even in, in subtle ways exerting any kind of creative influence on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you I'd know, love it. Whether that's... Set it in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> oh, God. Can you imagine? Have Buzz Lightyear fly past. Oh, yeah. I I mean, we, we, we jest, but it it's... I, I wouldn't expect exactly that, but it's that kind of thing that, that would have me a little bit worried. And, and let's be honest, Disney doesn't have a stellar track record when it comes to things like, you know, LGBT representation and, you know, it, they can be a little bit coy about that sort of stuff. And in fact, RTD was quite open about that at a recent event where he was speaking. He was basically criticising Loki for basically paying lip service to the idea that Loki might be bisexual and and saying like, oh, and we're supposed to be happy with this. Um, So, I, I don't know. I just... On the one hand, it definitely makes sense. And also, it could potentially stop constantly seeing threads on on online Doctor Who fan spaces of international uh, uh, fans being like, where can I watch the new series of Doctor Who? Because it's just like, it's something you see endlessly. So I would love that problem to be solved for people in a clear and unambiguous way. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I just, I, I like Doctor Who because it is so British and wonky and difficult and strange at times. And I think Disney has a tendency to sand off the rough edges of whatever properties it's dealing with. You know, I, I, we've talked endlessly about the MCU, and I, I, I'd love that, and I always have. But let's be honest, you compare it to the source material comics, and it is a simplified and more palatable version of that source material. Mm-hmm. You know, there is an, a degree of Disneyfication that has taken place there. Um... So I, I, I'm, I'm wary of that. I'm, I am genuinely wary of that. But I don't know. I mean, wh- honestly, Matt, what do you think? Does, as someone who doesn't, I guess, care whether Doctor Who lives or dies? Uh, keep it on the BBC for me. I've paid for it with my tax money so and my licence fee, so keep it exclusive to me, please. <laughs> and you alone. Yeah, if people want to pay to watch it, that money should go in the Queen's coffers. 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it would be a big cash injection into the BBC, and goodness knows they need that at the moment. So, if um, if the money's there, I can't imagine them not taking it. Uh, anyway, um, we could we could we could uh, talk about that endlessly, couldn't we? But let's move on, shall we? Um, Now, uh, we've mentioned, obviously, we're talking about Storm Warning this week. Uh, you made a bit of an error, didn't you, Matt? <laughs> On the old tweets this week. Oh, back off, mate. <laughs> All right, I got a bit confused. Yes. I think literally a matter of hours after we'd, we'd uh, mentioned uh, on, on last week's recording that we were going to be doing Storm Warning, you put out a tweet saying we were doing Torchwood this week. Yeah. So, I, I guess, do you want to read out people's opi uh, opinions on an episode of Torchwood? No, because I had to do a full retraction and apology. <laughs> so, I have got some thoughts on this. Great. I mean, do you want to hear them? I, I mean, ideally, yes. I thought that was implied, but uh, if I have to explicitly say so, then uh, yes, Matt, please read out the tweets about Storm Warning that you have. Okay, so we got a message from the Who Can Convince You boys. Say hello, David. Greetings, Who Can Convince You. Uh, they've just unfollowed us because we're doing Big Finish now. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Fine. Uh, but then an alternate perspective comes from the Married to Who podcast. Say hello, David. Mm -hmm. Hi, Married to Who podcast. And they say they might have to do their first ever Big Finish re-listen. Oh, great. Now, I, I was listening to Married to Who recently, David. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about butter sandwiches. Hmm. And it literally just sounds like bread and butter has finally reached America. <laughs> you see, I, I, I would do I do bread and butter open face. I've never thought, I don't think, to do just a plain butter sandwich. Yeah. Everyone knows you have two bread. slices of white bread and butter when you don't think mm. your meal's going to be substantial enough. Yeah, or exactly. if you've got gravy... For mopping. Mm. Mm. Like, I, I, uh, I had fish chips and mushy peas the other night. And when yeah. I... It was store-bought fish. It was Marks and Spencer's. And when I opened it, mm. I thought, that's not going to be substantial. Two slices of white and butter straight away. Yeah. Got to be done. To be honest, I do that every time I'm doing uh, fish chips and mushy peas at home. Do, do you do it? I've got a little technique where I always put the bread down first and lay the chips on top of it. Not to make a chip butty, but just to soften the butter. Mm, never thought to do that, but I might try next yeah. time. Yeah. I'm telling you, warm bread, butter and mushy peas. I, I'd eat mushy peas on anything at the minute, David. I'm absolutely <laughs> hooked on mushy peas. The other day, my mum cooked, cooked me a chicken and leek pie. I came mm. home, didn't have any chips in the oven, but it's not a problem. I just had mushy peas with it. Lovely. Oh, uh, mushy peas, I love them. So good. They are. Genuinely, like, no no, 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 word, no word of argument for me there. Uh, so, what's your next tweet? Uh, the next tweet comes from the Cloisterbell podcast. 
say hello, David. Hello, Cloisterbell. Uh, they s- sent um, a concerning tweet because this week they're doing Torchwood and the next week they're doing Storm Warning. Oh. So they're doing exactly the same episodes we are, but the other way around. If I'd have got that tweet right, we'd have been doing the same episodes as them. Yeah. And we could have done a big collaboration. That's eerie. Well, I guess uh, check check out their feed in a couple of weeks, listeners, uh, to get their take on Storm Warning. Yeah, if you want a better insight, yeah, um, just listen to theirs. Yeah. Right. The next tweet, David, comes from James Courtney. Say hello, David. Hello, James. And James sent a series of three jokes, but not one of them made me laugh. So we're going to move on. Okay. <laughs> Harsh but fair. Harsh but fair. You know, live by the sword, die by the sword. Right, then we have future Martin McLean Hall of Famer, James Swift. Uh, yes, greetings, James. And James says, I really enjoyed the story that David recommended to me a few weeks back. It brings a new life to the Eighth Doctor, and I really like Charlie. Excellent. And then I'm very glad. Final tweet of the week comes from BT Flibbity Giggard. Say hello, David. Greetings, curator. And I, I think BT's going to try really hard at Christmas to get that induction to the Martin McLean Hall of Fame, but I think BT Flibbity Giggard's is a bit of a putt compared to James uh, Swift. So I won't put money on BT. You're just trying to uh, heat up the competition, aren't you, Matt? Yeah, because I'm actually quite worried when it gets to Christmas. I'll have forgotten that I've done it, so I want people to remind <laughs> me. So every week I'm just going to mention it whenever I see the beautiful name, James Swift. Excellent. Right, BT so what, says, Charlie is a fun companion, my second favourite big Finnish companion after Evelyn. Imagine caring so much you've ranked your favourite big Finnish companions Get a life. I'm not. I'm not reading the yeah. end of that tweet. Get a life, BT. Uh, imagine, imagine being that much of a nerd. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's that's so that's so not like me at all, is it, Matt? No. I'd never do something like no, that. No, you're one of the good guys. You're one of us, David. Not one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a proper. Uh, Normal bloke. Yeah, you're up. You're just lager, football, and shagging. Yeah. yeah, no, not no recreational spreadsheeting at all. No, just booze uh, and birds. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, sure. I uh, yeah, I agree with that. I'm 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 liking all the Charlie love so far. Uh, any other tweets, or is that that when, a lot? When you say Charlie love, you don't mean cocaine, do you? I don't. I'm referring to Edwardian adventurous Charlie Pollard, obviously. Okay. Uh, no, that's it for tweets this week. Great. Um, so, Matt, uh, it is with great pleasure and trepidation that I ask you, uh, what did you make of Storm Warning? When I started listening to this, I thought this was brilliant. Uh-huh. By the end, I couldn't wait for it to be over. and I think from my limited experience but as you know David 
Uh, I basically run on two emotions, don't I? Misplaced confidence and arrogance. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think all big Finnish adventures are just the same. Right, okay. What do you I, think is the I, big Finnish formula then? Uh, doctor probably meets some sort of companion, goes back in time to a very specific event in history, lectures <laughs> you about it for a bit, at some point, there's an alien. Mankind is bad. The end. Okay. I reckon this is both the best and the worst Big Finish adventure because they're all the same. <laughs> well then, um... if if I said to you, David, I've got a friend who's thinking of getting into Big Finish, should I recommend Storm Warning? Like, you wouldn't be able to say no, because they're all the same. Right, okay. Well, I mean, maybe we'll just have to do a lot more Big Finish and see if that challenges your preconceptions. What is the best Big Finish adventure? Um... And I don't want listeners to tweet in just going, well, I really like the sixth Doctor. Shut up. Right, I'm asking you, David. What is the best, objectively? <laughs> so you don't want me to tell you what the received fan wisdom is? I've never once cared for the opinion of fools, David. <laughs> um, I would have a hard time saying, because... They're all the same. Uh, no, it, it, for one, I haven't listened to an awful lot. And I know that there are certain... Are you joking? I logged into your account. There was thousands of the buggers. <laughs> I haven't necessarily listened to all of them yet. Um, but uh, more broadly, um, I can tell you which runs and which characters I particularly love, but I haven't, I haven't, like consume them over and over to the point that I can say definitively, ah, this is the one for me. This is my absolute... When I logged into your account, Um, you've got six albums by someone called Bernie Summerfield. I don't even know who that is, David. But I bet, (laughs) I bet her stories are exactly the same as Storm Warning. Bernie Summerfield is basically River Song before River Song. No, don't say that. Don't be dragging my beautiful river into this crap. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, look, I think okay. If you want, if you want uh, an honest answer of just one that, off the top of my head, uh, I had an absolutely great time with, but I haven't re-listened to, so I'm not like. Don't hold me to this, listeners. I really love Faith Stealer. By uh, uh, which is a, a later period Charlie and Eighth Doctor story. Um, it's just, yeah, it, it ticks a lot of boxes for me. It's very funny. It's got some great concepts. It's very surreal. And it uh, absolutely does not fit with the template you just outlined. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, that would be my first pick for one that that I that I'm looking forward to revisiting again at a, another point. Oh, also, um, uh, a Charlie and Evelyn sto- uh, 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 sorry, a sick Doctor and Evelyn story. Um, oh, what's it called? Um, 
Oh, it's not. It's it's called. It's something like preparations for war or something, but it's not that. I can't remember exactly the title for it now. Uh, that was brilliant, and quite unlike anything else I'd ever heard. Um, so actually, I I would I I if we're being you know sincere for a moment, I think Big Finish. Sometimes, but not always. But maybe not quite enough. But it does sometimes take the opportunity to experiment and to push the envelope and do things with Doctor Who that you could never get away with on TV, either for budgetary reasons or because it's too niche for a mainstream audience or whatever. Um, they don't always play it safe. I will say Storm Warning probably is on the safer end of the spectrum. It's more... Um, it's fairly Doctor Who by numbers, but I think that's by design because you are basically... This is the first opportunity to reintroduce a Doctor that the fans have been clamouring for, but who kind of had a bit of a false start in the form of the TV movie. So this is an Don't opportunity... Don't you to say do... anything bad about my beloved TV movie. <laughs> um, I think the perception at the time was very much that McGann was brilliant, but the rest of it was rubbish and so this was their chance to be like oh you like mcgann here's mcgann and we're going to put him in some like prime classic who you know it's the main range so it's got that very classic who format of four parts in the 25 to 30 minute range and um you know, it's a pseudo-historical, so you get your historical element and you get your weird aliens. Um, it's it, it really is... It was a matter of, I think, trying to ground the Eighth Doctor in the pre-established world of Doctor Who to basically take what, what we liked... Mm-hmm. from the movie, i.e. McGann and his characterization, his portrayal of the Doctor, and just take that and plonk it into a pretty much meat and potatoes kind of Doctor Who story. Um, so I don't think it's the best, by any means, uh, for the Eighth Doctor, but I think it very much does the job of introducing listeners to this period in that character's history, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, so you weren't too impressed by it then? Um, I liked it in the beginning, and the more I listened, the more I hated it. I think I think it definitely suffers from pacing issues. Yeah. Which, um, again, I think is one of the drawbacks of Big Finish's uh, early on, when they were doing, when they were focusing on the so-called main range, the whole aim of that was: we are taking the pre-established format of Doctor Who, and we are doing new Doctor Who in that format. So it was almost exclusively four-parters, the occasional six-parter. <laughs> um, you know, in that you know with those sort of 25 minute episodes and they you know they play the theme tune at the beginning of the end of every part and they do a, a, a minute long you know they, they replay the previous minute of the last episode in just the same way as they would have done on the tv show despite the fact that you know you're listening to it on all uh, on a cd or a download and you definitely don't need to hear that one minute of audio repeated 
uh, immediately afterwards. Uh, but, you know, for, 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 for good or for ill, that was the approach they took to it. And I think uh, that's why you end up with a story here that uh basically probably has one too many plot threads and the, the, stalls for time at some points the exact moment i signed out was when it yeah. was revealed there was an alien and i know it's doctor who and there's always aliens <laughs> but like it, uh, yeah that was when i was just out you, so you're telling me you would have preferred it as a as a pure historical well, I thought there was some sort of, like, intrigue, like, scandal plotline. Mm -hmm. But no, it was just an alien. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, shall we shall we get stuck into it then? Um, and and, and s sort of see, see what the else there is to say about this as we go. Right. So this is Storm Warning. I couldn't get an exact date. Wikipedia just said January 2001. Yeah, close enough. So this is coming uh, not quite a full five years after the uh, TV movie. About four and a half years. Um, it's written by Alan Barnes mm -hmm. and directed by Gary Who, uh, I th So uh, Alan Barnes, I believe, wrote at least one uh, TV story for the Seventh Doctor era, I think. And okay. uh, also wrote, wrote some sort of novels and stuff in, in that wilderness years. Were they all incredibly boring as well? Not read them, so couldn't tell you. He's stealing a living here. Right. <laughs> Episode one opens with the Doctor searching for the TARDIS manual. The mm -hmm. TARDIS does an emergency stop because there is a time ship crashing it's caught in a glitch in space-time, so the Doctor feels, oh, I've best sort this out. So, immediately, when you first hear it, I, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself, it's just, it's so nice to have McGann back mm. in the role, isn't it? He's, he is just, he but was such a great pick. He's, he plays the Doctor here, and I don't know whether he did in the TV movie. Um, I, I think, think the characterization of the Doctor as I know it is loads better here. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's fair. Um, the 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 one downside I think uh, in this first episode is I'm not a big fan of how it take how we have to sit through about ten minutes of the Doctor talking to himself. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I really wish they they'd found a way to just uh, in, to be honest if I was if I was script editing this I'd take it down to three parts first thing I'd do is chuck out everything to do with the bloody vortisol yeah like what's that about <laughs> uh, to, the the answer is actually it's a thread that goes through uh, the next few stories with uh, eight and charlie so I think it was possibly something a little bit foisted upon Alan Barnes rather than than something he necessarily desperately wanted to do. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I could do without it. I think you take out the Vortisaur and immediately you've got a tighter script. Yeah, like, 
absolutely pointless. Didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Plus, have we seen before examples of winged creatures that live in disturbances in space time? <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed, we have. So that's the thing. The Reapers in Father's Day, um, I think. I think possibly discussions may have been had about whether or not to make them the Vortisaurs. Ultimately, I think having a clean break, especially in series one, is a great move. Like I, I, I think it was, it would have damaged series one enormously if you'd had, you know, the Eighth Doctor regenerating into Christopher Eccleston at the start of the of Rose and and by midway through the series you've got someone introducing uh you know an obscure monster that appeared in an audio drama four years previously <laughs> and, and whatnot. But I'm I'm pretty sure they were aware of the similarities when they were working on uh, Father's Day. Right. So the Doctor says he wants to nudge this ship with the TARDIS, which is going to break the cycle of it dying over and over again. Mm-hmm. So some Vortisaurs try invading the TARDIS, but they couldn't possibly, except they do. Yeah. So then we get the theme tune, and we're listening to the Empire News, which announces the airship so- R101. What, can I just quickly check? What did you think of this? Because this is a new arrangement of a theme tune. Liked exclusive it. Exclusive to the Eighth Doctor. Oh, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. It's definitely um, on the more electronic end. Um, I, there are elements of it like elements that I think is a little bit wishy-washy. Hmm. But uh, overall, I think it's it's not a bad, not a bad attempt. Yeah. I've heard worse. Right. The Airship R101. So, oh, that was the other thing I was going to ask you, Matt. Sorry. Um, had you heard of the R101 disaster no. before this? No. Yeah. And having listened to this, I don't care for it much either. <laughs> what I they they got what they deserved after I've listened to this. Sure. Um, <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, all those innocent people on board who had no authority definitely deserve to die. Um, but what I do think is fascinating about it is that if you ask most people in the UK, have you heard of the Hindenburg, Hindenburg disaster? The answer would be yes. But if you ask them, have you heard of the R101 disaster, which in some ways is very similar, uh, the answer would be no. Yeah, well, uh, the R101 disaster is my favourite prog rock band. <laughs> Do you not think that's interesting, though, that it, it's like it's British history. It's our own Hindenburg. And yet people know the Hindenburg more than they do the R101. Oh, I don't really know, David. The... Uh... <laughs> I'm a little bit tired that... boy. OK, I thought that was an interesting point to, to bring up, but never mind. Let's move no. on. Right. There's six important passengers aboard. I'm assuming that's the only six people that speak in this adventure. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, the Lord Tamworth toasts the airship with a guy yeah. called Frailing who helped to design it. 
However, the ship yeah. had not completed its trial when Freyling was forced to make changes to its design. Mm -hmm. There's sealed compartments in the airship, which makes Freyling suspicious. Yeah. Then we're introduced to Rathbone, who is Tamworth's assistant at this point in the story. Yes. Now I can't remember exactly at what point did you did you work out that Rathbone was a wrongin? Uh, when he got a gun and tried to shoot everyone and said, "I'd never miss." <laughs> not not prior to that. Um, it might have been when he did an incredibly culturally insensitive South African accent. <laughs> yes, I, 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 something tells me that they didn't get a South African actor in. No, it was part. thingy. It's... Hold on, hold on. I'll tell you exactly who it was. Barnaby Edwards. We've seen him before. Oh, we? right. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah Barnaby Edwards. He, he shows up in a lot of these. Um, yeah. uh, best known as a, uh, probably uh, as a Dalek operator. Mm. Uh, and has, you know, has been working solidly on, on uh, Doctor Who since 2005. So, you know, fair play. But, uh, yeah, the... It's not a terrible accent. It's just very caricatured. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I'm not saying I could do better by any stretch, but I think that coupled with the fact that he is, I think, the most unambiguously bad character in this story, like, you know, morally, he's not a good guy. Um, it feels a little bit dodge. It's worth saying as well, uh, Lord Tamworth is played by uh, Gareth Thomas, mm. who played Roger is Blake it... in Blake 7. Oh, well, there you go. Didn't know that. But, uh, yeah, but our nerd um, listeners, oh, David, yeah. they'll be loving that. I do like his performance as Tamworth, though. Yeah, he's I okay. Think, I think he really commits. Um, that is one, one thing that is very noticeable with Big Finish, you can really tell when you've got an actor who's giving it 100% versus someone who's just there for uh, an easy day's work and a, and a free lunch. <laughs> uh, it, it, because, you know, obviously they're doing, like with most uh, radio production, they're doing it script in hand. So you can tell which one's bothered to read and really understand the script first and which ones are just winging it. And you read, you get the sense that, that Gareth, Gareth Thomas is, he, he's very much committing to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so the doctor, it seems bested the Voltisors yet they continue to reappear. So he takes off in the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. uh, this is where we're first introduced to Charlie Pollard who's probably, I would say, my seventh favourite Big Finish companion. <laughs> now, go on, though. What did, you, what did you think of Charlie? She was okay. She was neither here nor there for most of this, wasn't she? Mm. I, I, I like her. I like her. I think she is a very likeable companion, and I like... Uh, I'm not going to lie. I like that we're getting a historical companion. Again, it's the sort of thing that um, you can see TV executives dragging their heels on, especially these days. But 
it's something that I've always liked about Doctor Who, the idea that you can you can pluck anyone out of anywhere in space and time and go on adventures with them. So I always find it kind of disappointing when we have another, you know, 20 something woman from the 20th century, 21st century. So I'll tell you Um, who she reminded me of. And this is one of those niche British comedy references only you'll get, David. Right, but, okay. You know, in Limmy's show, where he played yeah. Falconhoof and they did Adventure Call? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. And in one episode, he has Jingle the Jester that accompanies him. Uh-huh. And she's yeah. like, Cool, blimey! What are we going to do? That's who this reminded me of. Because she was just like, Oh, no, Mr. Doctor, sir. As those aliens going to get us, what are we going to do? Like, yeah, all right, we get it. Moving on. Uh, all right. Did you know? Do you know who's uh, who's voicing it? India Fisher. Uh, I um, only know that because I've got Wikipedia in front of me, but I don't. Um, I don't think I recognise her. Best known as the voice of MasterChef. Ah. She she does all the narration on MasterChef. Imagine if she did it in this voice. Well, she's like, well, it's not me. They've got a knife and they're well, chopping some I mean, carrot. To, to be fair, the the, the 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 voice you're referring to there is because early on she is trying to pass herself off as a working class lad because she's a stowaway. Like her actual speaking voice for most of this episode is not that. Uh, of course, she lend her voice as well to the Sci-Fi Channel's online audio version only of Blake Seven. David, uh, I, I, I don't like to drop the F bomb, but I'm yeah. sick of Blake Seven. <laughs> One second. Uh, be back in a sec. Singing all these goldies, Bibafalula, baby, what I say. Here comes Johnny singing, I got a woman down in the tunnels trying to make it pay. He got the action, he got the motion. Oh, yeah, the boy can play. Dedication, devotion, turning all the night time into the day. He do the song about the sweet loving woman, he do the song about the knife, he do the walk. Walk of life, yeah, you do the walk of life. Sorry, Matt. Uh, oh, sorry, I was singing some Dire Straits whilst I was waiting. <laughs> no problem. My partner just got back with a very sleepy Zorbs. Okay. So, um, we'll just... Uh, Wait for one moment, and 
then we can resume. Yeah, that, uh, Black 7 does seem to be coming up a lot today. Yeah, too much. Too much. Right, so Charlie Pollard is writing her memoir. She's an Edwardian adventuress, but she's summoned to duty. Um, mm -hmm. She's pretending to be a lad, and everyone seems to be mentioning this passenger on board inside cabin 43. Mm -hmm. uh, Tamworth and Frailing discuss flight disturbances, and we learn that the Doctor is now inside the airship. Yes. Uh, in fact, he's in a ballast tank, and the TARDIS has been ejected. Yeah. Uh, so Tamworth brings... Sorry, Charlie brings Tamworth a brandy and is exposed as a girl when the ship rocks and she spills brandy all over him. Yeah, like, the, the ruse lasted all of two minutes. Yeah, till literally the first person looked at her and just went, you're not a boy. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she runs off. The Doctor hears a noise from cabin 43 and when he listens, there's some sort of injection going on. Uh, Charlie runs into the Doctor, who offers her a hiding place as Tamworth approaches. And once he's out the way, they decide they're going to explore. Yeah. And one thing I do I do like um, is the, the connection between the Doctor and Charlie. It feels very, very natural and immediate in, I think... All the best companion introductions have this. I'd say Rose and Nine does it very well. Um, Twelve and Bill, mm -hmm. I think, is is a great example of just like there's just there is a spark there straight away, um, and I and I and I sense it with um, with Eight and Charlie here. Yeah, I think he just he immediately spots. Um, a a you know a fellow adventurer and uh ultimately you know it leads him to to making potentially not a great choice at the end of this so uh yeah right so yeah uh frailing then defends charlie to tamworth and they spot a winged clawed beast outside the ship mm -hmm. uh, we find out they're heading to karachi india and the Doctor yeah. seems to think he remembers something bad about the ship. Yeah. Uh, Charlie's not supposed to be here. We find out that the ship crashed in flames above France. Yes, yeah, so um, we're kind of in sort of fires of Pompeii territory here, aren't we? Mm. You know, we, our, our, our historical setting for this episode is... Inevitable is doom. A, a, a disaster, yeah, which is which is being played very much as a fixed point in time. Mm. So you kind they of keep have talking about hanging. the web of time in this episode as well. They do, they do. That's they, a they big love thing. the web of time, don't they? They do love the web of time. That that whole thing, it's it's all um, laying groundwork for things like Zagreus and stuff like that. Which I, I promise you, Matt. I promise you, we will never be doing this podcast long enough that you will need to care about any of that. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> um, but I do think, again, it's interesting that, you know, fair play to Big Finish. You know, they're juggling 
by the time Paul McGann gets aboard, they're juggling four different doctors and they're taking the opportunity to do something ambitious with that and, and to weave a sort of story arc through all of their adventures um, culminating in, in, in something for the 40th uh, anniversary. It was a very ambitious um, and well-intentioned thing to do. Whether or not it, 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 they pulled it off, that's open for debate. But, um, you know, can't blame them for trying. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, Charlie's not supposed to be here. We've talked about that. Uh, she walks away as something smashes through the side of the ship into Rathbone, who was injecting the passenger in cabin 43. That's the end of episode one. Mm. See, I thought, like, it could be anything. It could have been a Frankenstein. could have been yeah. Shrek. We, but instead, it's just an alien. Yeah, we've never had a Frankenstein or a Shrek on Doctor Who, have we? Well, we've kind it's of had a joke. Frankenstein. We've had Mary Shelley. And that freaky yeah. Cyberman. And then we had... Yeah. Oh, did you pick up the references to the fact that eight, the Eighth Doctor's hung out with Mary Shelley yeah. at the start of this? Yeah, that yeah. came up. Uh, yeah, completely contradicts uh, the offence of uh, haunting ability of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's Well, may maybe he's you hung know, out with her later yeah. in Mary Shelley's chronology no he, he's, he's specifically referencing the fact that he, he, he was, was there. there that night yes yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but yeah and thinking about it could you, you could would you classify the absorbable off as a shrek i would yeah and we got cowboy Certainly frankenstein shrek didn't we oh we did yes yeah. terminator frankenstein yeah yeah, I'd say the Absorbaloff's probably the most Shrek-esque character. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think we've seen an actual ogre, have we? No, not not an official canonical ogre no. <laughs> in Doctor Who. Right. But, you know, there's time. Just, just give me a second, time, sorry, you know. David. Uh, yeah. Dear RTD. <laughs> Have you seen Shrek? <laughs> In brackets, Shrek 2 is probably better. You can skip from Shrek 3 onwards, although I like Puss in Boots. There we go. <laughs> There's a plan. Get it on Disney Plus. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Right. I wonder, is RTD on Twitter? If he is, I'm just going to send him a message saying, have you ever watched I Shrek? Think, I think he's on Instagram. Russell T. Davies. I don't know if he is. People. Russell T. Davies, here he is. Oh, yeah. Um, just going to send him a quick message. Dear Russell Davies, 63. Have you ever seen Shrek? <laughs> if so, which sequels have you seen? And please provide a definitive ranking of the <laughs> Shrek films. 
Much love, Matt. There we go. Let's just see. <laughs> Ty will tell. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't <laughs> tweeted for over a year, but maybe that'll be the one to get him back. It might be. You never know. Right. Episode two. Let's keep going. Right. Yeah. The Doctor and Charlie run to the cabin deck as Rathbone fights whatever creature it is that's broken in. And we find out it's the Vortisaur. Uh, yeah. The Doctor throws, I believe, coffee at it. Yeah. And it's at this point I've just written, are the Vortisaurs the Reavers? Turns out yes, but yeah. also no. Basically, yes. Uh, the yeah. Doctor evaluates the passenger in cabin 43 who begins to panic. Uh, mm. Charlie is ordered to stay and help whilst the Doctor goes with Stuart Weeks. Yeah. Uh, uh, I won't lie, David. As we move later and later through this story, um, my attention waned and I kind of fell asleep for a bit. So some of these might not make <laughs> sense. So I'm just I'll try and fill in the gaps. Uh, the Doctor and Weeks want to throw a table through a window. Mm-hmm. And Frailing notices the flight disturbance, and Tamworth begins to mention the mission. Yeah. Uh, the Doctor uses his own blood to attract the Vortisol, and yeah. when it's placated, they morphine it. Yeah. Uh, the Doctor says... That really, all, all this stuff with the Vortisol is definitely the worst aspect of this story. Uh, listening back to all of this, I'm just like, yeah, we don't need any of this. Yeah. It is, it is absolutely just padding for time. The, the Vortisaur is like that little squirrel thing out of the Ice Age films. Mm-hmm. You know, where you've got the main plot, but your film's ten minutes too short, so you just put a daft little side plot in like that. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, they give it morphine, and the Doctor recalls that he knows Tamworth by reputation. So Charlie and Rathbone tend to Passenger 43 and the Doctor chats with Tamworth and Frailing because they think mm. he is a Zeppelin inspector. Yeah. I, 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 I love Tamworth's reaction when he's like, oh, are you a spy? And he's like, he is both flattered and, and like, you know, like, well, of course you're a spy. Of course the, the Zeppelin company would, would want to... Um, see what we're up to here um and but then also in that very british way it's like oh yes well you know we're, we're you know I'm glad i'm not going to have to shoot you on site but you know we'll leave you to the authorities and they'll execute you jolly good you know um that whole yeah i i i enjoy tamworth as a character in in his you know sort of Almost a parody of, you know, British upper class em empire nonsense. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and you know, as we get further into the story, I think, you know, there are elements that come into play which, which uh, you know, pull him back from being nothing but a sort of comical caricature figure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, where are we up to? The Doctor points out that Passenger 43 is gravely ill and Tamworth orders that the airship increase altitude but Frailing says it's not suitable, it will, you know, fall apart. Mm -hmm. 
the Doctor and Charlie pose as German spies, and we find out that Passenger 43 is hyper-oxygenated. So the increased yeah. altitude lowers the oxygen, and that solves this. So the Doctor removes the helmet from Passenger 43, and it's a beautiful female grey-skinned alien. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean we we don't we don't there's no like picture of the Triskelly on the uh on the cover art. So you know, imagine imagine them however you like. I I feel like the reference to to gray skins and stuff means that my my brain just defaults to the sort of stereotypical greys of uh, you know, uh, much beloved by uh, UFO conspiracy mm. th- theorist types, um, but yeah. But also, I, I always like it when they're doing an original Alien. I like it when they stick it on the cover, just as you know, give you a little bit of help. The the way it talked, I pictured it as you know the infamous episode of The Simpsons where there's an alien and it turns out it's Mr. Burns at the end. Oh, yes. Yeah, because yeah. it's just like going, Hello, Charlie. And then she's going, Call blimey, Mr. Alien Man. Charlie. Oh. Oh, I'll tell yeah. you what, it, um, it annoyed me more and more every time I bloody heard it, where it was like, Hello, um, Tamworth Captain. And then it was like, Hello, Doctor The. All right, I'll get oh, the job. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Yeah, um, that that got a bit wary. I'm not a big fan of the voice effect on no. on the Triskelly. I, I I love the concept, uh, and I'm going to be very clear about. It, I love the concept of the Triskelly, and I think as we get into the real meat of this uh, story, um, that I'm going to be very effusive in my praise for that. But the the voice effect that they used, I think, really detracts from it. And I would much rather they'd either got three different actors to play the different aspects of the tr- Triskelly or they had got one good actor who just manipulated their voice to portray these different elements. I think that would have been a more interesting way to go, but instead they basically had one actor doing the same kind of voice and they just did the weird digital effects and pitch shifted it, which just makes it frankly difficult to listen to for extended periods. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they didn't do themselves any favor with that, and it's a shame because other than that, I think the sound design is really good on this story. Yeah, I'd say on um, the whole, it's not bad. It's, I mean, it's something that Big Finish are generally very good at. You know, they are good at immersive sound design, making you know the environments that you're in sound and feel. Like, like if you know, if you're walking, if the characters are walking down an echoey corridor, you 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 feel that echoey corridor, and you you can picture it in your mind's eye. Um, they're very good at all of that sort of stuff, but yeah, the the effect on the Triskelly voice is uh, was not a good choice, in my opinion. Right. So the airship reaches its rendezvous, and the Doctor begins to work out that Rathbone is no valet, as he says he is. Yeah. Uh, Tamworth begins to address his crew about Passenger 43 and a giant flying saucer approaches. Mm -hmm. So that's the end of episode two. Yeah. 
Right. Episode three like, is where everything genuinely. goes mad. So you're going to have to help me yes. out with these notes. Yeah, I, I definitely can. It, it, this is this is to me is where things get interesting. Like I, I honestly think those first two episodes just smush him into one. Yeah. Like it would have been so easy to do. We, we, it shouldn't have taken a full hour to get to this point. No. The story. This is, but anyway, this yeah, is where it, I lost interest I, and went and made a lovely spaghetti bolognese. Yeah, I mean, but to be honest, I, I can't blame you. And I, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but. I, I, I want to be clear, I didn't pick this because it is my favourite Big Finish story. No. Uh, I picked this uh, in in essence uh, because I wanted to put the groundwork in for something we're going to cover later. Mm-hmm. So, right. just putting that out there. So, Charlie asks uh, Passenger 43 what's going on, and it says it's Engineer Prime of the Triskeli, or Triskeli, mm-hmm. whatever. Rathbone yeah. works for British Intelligence and is tasked with transporting the engineer. The Triskelly yeah. hull allows the airship to fly into it and it kind of docks into the flying saucer. Yeah. At this point, Charlie works out there's other planets and the Doctor has seen them all. She's like, yeah. you have really met Stalin, haven't you, Doctor? There's other stars. I don't know why you're doing a Cockney accent for her when she is an upper-class British woman. Uh, I literally can't remember her real voice. Uh, it's just posh lady. Right. I'll, I'll try posh lady next time. <laughs> right. We find out Charlie was only aboard here because she think, been... think sort of like Famous Five. Like Dick Van Dyke. N- no. No. Right. Hey, uh, Mr. Doctor, sir. <laughs> no, not like that, Matt. Right. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, she was on her way to Singapore because she had been. She was going on a date or something, and yes, they're inside the flying saucer. The engineer tells Tamworth that only three people may board the ship: Tamworth, Frailing, and the Doctor are chosen by yeah. the engineer. That leaves Rathbone in charge of the airship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Doctor questions how Tamworth met the Engineer and in the most generic alien backstory ever, it was a ship that crashed on Earth and yeah. you know Tamworth rescued him. But then the Engineer yeah. wouldn't talk, so they went and... They talk about this psychic, Madame Zelda, for far too long. I'll tell you that for nothing. <laughs> I find that kind of interesting. I also... I love the reference to how for a long time they thought it was some sort of like uh, quote-unquote oriental foreign agents and, and just like, you know, uh, yes, we, 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 we interrogated that line pretty hard, to be honest. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> you yeah. Know, just, like, just glossing over what I imagine must have been some utter abject brutality. It'd be like, imagine if it landed in Hartlepool. Uh, It'd have been hung. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We haven't yeah, got time to discuss it now, but if you're interested, just Google Hartlepool monkey hangers. Oh, yeah, that's that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so, yeah I, the I, doctor. I, it. Go on, sorry. Go on. No, you go on. Right, the doctor questions what's in it for Tamworth, and I'm not sure we ever really find out. 
But Rathbone prepares weapons. He says I he's had we, enough. I think we do. I think the thing with Tamworth is it's I think he is a glory seeker. Yeah, maybe. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. I think, um, as I say, as we go as we go on, we find that Tamworth, he is not altogether a terrible person. He's not a one dimensional villain in the way that it's very easy for you know British colonial types to be, mm. <laughs> and not without reason. Like if you want to tell a story in which. A, a, a British colonial officer is just a villain, be my guest, because there, there's plenty of evidence for that. But I like that we get the sense that, um, yeah, he, he he's interested in his own glory, but also, you know, the glory for the British nation as a whole and the British Empire and, and all of that. Um but ultimately, it's coming from a place I think of, of wanting, wanting, things to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not fully self serving. Yeah. Um. So it. Yeah. Right. We see a symbol on the floor. Three hooks joined together. Yeah, and the guests. So that they 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 sort of there's there's a bit of awkward dialogue around this. this is one of the th- times when you kind of see see the cracks showing of um trying to convey you know being limited by by working within audio. Um, you know, it's it is it is a it is a triskelion, uh, mm-hmm. which is you know obviously a famous Celtic symbol. Um. And I think they talk around it to the point that that maybe doesn't even come across clearly. Like, had you had you twigged that that is what they were specifically referring to? Well, when they talked about the Isle of Wight, I'm familiar with that symbol. So yes, yeah. So that that, that that's what it is. It's it's the uh, it's uh, it is the the sort of the Celtic triskelion symbol, uh, and that obviously implying that humans have had previous contact with the triskelion. So the three guests stand in it as thousands of Triskelis appear. Yeah. Uh, they talk about the place of uncreation as Uncreator Prime arrives. Mm-hmm. So he's like yeah. the chief soldier, isn't he? Like yes. He wants to destroy. Yeah. Um, but he sees Rathbone as a superior soldier to Tamworth. Or a superior uncreator, as it were. Yes, because of course, um, the the en- engineer prime chose Tamworth as the is the word they use. I think thrall. Yeah. Um, so they chose Tamworth because Tamworth has a military background, but specifically that is a military background uh, centered around. World War One, and 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 there is this this moment where Tamworth talks in succinct terms about the horrors of that war, and ultimately, you know that that has has pushed him to a point where he he kind of broadly pursues peace. You know, he 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 says never again. Um, so not much good for the un un uh, uncreator prime who is 
driven by war. Mm. And then we're introduced to the third arm of the Triskelly, the yeah. lawgiver. Yeah. So there's only one lawgiver because there's only one law. Yeah. Um, was the law free will? They talked about that too much, didn't they? Uh, yes. So, so in essence, what 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 we what we're looking at here, and and again, I I can I can understand why people get lost in this, and it's maybe a bit too dense and stuff. But I love this. I love when science fiction can just toy with ideas, like mm-hmm. big, deep, f- chunky philosophical ideas, and in this case, you know. It bats those ideas around a bit and, and provides us with absolutely no answers, really. Um, yeah. But it just it, it, it just, you know, it's swimming in those waters for a while. And that's, I find, an interesting and and uh, and valuable thing to do sometimes. So I, I like all of this stuff. Um, so in essence, what you have is they talk about the, the history of the Triskelli is they were once, you know, more like human beings in the people contained multitudes mm-hmm. as you like and at a certain point they decided to sort of compartmentalize themselves because of course we can look at hum- humanity and we are messy we don't cooperate we you know we 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 pull in different directions and have different ideals and and and, and that makes things very complicated sometimes when those ideals clash um and so the triskelli have you know as as the doctor puts it a sort of benevolent autocracy where you have the ones that create the ones that destroy and a singular entity that keeps those two opposing forces in balance yeah and basically just says nah we're doing this now um and that both those ent- those both those forces are essentially chained to the the you know the lawgiver prime and can't don't and, and don't have independence don't have free will that they have essentially outsourced their free will <laughs> to a single entity um and you, you you know if you think about that in human terms on the one hand that's sort of i can imagine there are de- there are days where that almost sounds appealing <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah well you just there are days when when just being a human being and and having the autonomy to make your own choices is very taxing yeah um but but by the same token, you know, would you really want your choices to always be made by someone else? Um, Especially, what do you do when that person's dying? Yeah, which of course is what is happening here. Mm. What kind of a, you know, talk about a power vacuum. Yeah. Right. So, Rathbone orders an attack on the Triskelia, whatever they're called, because he wants yeah. their ship for Britain. He says, Britain could conquer all if we have that ship. But Charlie mm-hmm. aims to stop him. 
the lawgiver begins to die, but his replacement can't be an engineer and can't be an uncreator. So the doctor has been elected the new leader. Except he can't yeah. be the new leader because he's not human. Uh, Rathbone demands an audience with the Triskali leader because he's undertaking a mutiny against Tamworth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie arrives just in time to warn everybody about Rathbone, who demands that yeah. the lawgiver surrender. He shoots the lawgiver dead. He never misses. Uh, yeah. This gives the uncreator free will, and they immediately turn savage and start killing indiscriminately. Yeah. It declares war on the human race, and that's the end of part three. Yeah. So... Yeah, you're saying this was actually the point where you sort of lost interest. That's interesting because this is this is the stuff that I really like, and and again, an example of how the big finish are taking advantage of working in audio because like, there's no chance that sort of like the BBC would be paying to, to do something like this, you know. This is this is fully taking advantage of the fact that you can you can have a cast of thousands. You can have a big battle scene and 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 not, you know, and not have to pay for it. And uh, also, I think, I think you really get the sense here that Big Finish are aware they are preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. They don't have to like convince anyone that Doctor Who is good and interesting and worth their time. So they can be doing this kind of slightly headier material. Um. Than, than you'd probably get away with on TV. Right. Do, see, do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but see, I just thought we've reached that point in the story where the Doctor meets a nice, friendly alien, but then mankind's greed somehow wrongs this alien and it all goes wrong and then they all have a fight. Like, I've seen it a thousand mm-hmm. times before. I mean, oh yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's not bread and butter Doctor Who, but I think it's the way in which it is delivered is, I think, pitched at a more distinctly older audience. Mm -hmm. I think there are fewer concessions for the kids. Right. In this. And I think, to be honest, to be perfectly frank, Big Finish sometimes takes that too far. Oh really? But Some they, they get it. saucy adult stuff. Not so much that there. I there is. I mean, there is one. There is only one time I've ever bailed on a big finish story. Um, I forget the name of it. It was a Sixth Doctor one. But they basically just ramped up the body horror and gore. And even though it was audio, there was like there was a lot of deeply unpleasant squelching and what have you. <laughs> and I was just like, this is horrible. Yeah. I'm not enjoying this, and it and it doesn't feel like Doctor Who to me, to be doing, you know, blood and gut stuff like this. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not Doctor Who. Um, so I so I, I just completely bailed on that one, and uh, there have been a couple of other times where it's kind of gotten close to me, uh, for me. Um, but you know. I I I I I fully admit they they have the right to do whatever they want to do with it, um, but there are for me there are kind of like thresholds that I feel 
Doctor Who shouldn't cross. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, right. right. We're in episode four now. We are. Let's 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 uh, bring this home. So there's a bit of a shoot. Hopefully out. not come crashing and burning like the R101. There's a bit of a shootout, but the Triskali don't appear yeah. to be losing men, so the soldiers are advised yeah. to retreat. The uncreator yeah. creature, it turns out, is scared of humans because it's never been exposed to another predator. So they all just roar at it, and the uncreator uh, retreats. Yeah, uh, and I do. And I think this is probably McGann's best moment of the of the story. You know, when he's encouraged, when he figures out that they just they just need to roar. They don't need to actually be violent. They just need to basically act like the alpha predator, mm-hmm. in essence. And and he's sort of trying to get people to tap in to their so called uncreator side, and especially you know that moment with Frailing, who we have seen has. Is, is quite a submissive character. Yeah. You know, he's talked down to a lot by Tamworth and, and, and you know, he's obviously, not unreasonably, a little bit wary around Rathbone and stuff. <laughs> and yeah. um, and the uh, the Doctor sort of, you know, encourages him to, 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 to let all that pent-up frustration out. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed that moment. Right. Uh, the... Triskelium opens into an energy weapon and mm-hmm. Tamworth challenges the Uncreator to singles combat. He's going to box it. Uh, yeah. Rathbone is fully possessed now and is ordered to shoot Tamworth, but instead shoots the Uncreator. And Tamworth is given charge of the airship. This is where this story should have ended. And I remember vividly looking at my phone and there was 17 minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> It is mad. I I fully agree. From this point, once they they'd wrapped up this story and basically, Tamworth makes the decision to 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 act as a as a guide for the Triskelli to basically reclaim their own free will. Yeah. Um. So that gives us our resolution to that big story, and then all that's really left to deal with is the Doctor's inability to save everyone from the inevitable crash, but choosing to save Charlie because, as he reasons, she shouldn't have been there to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but they drag it out so much. Yeah. It's so- like there's that scene with Rathbone and the Doctor in in one of the chambers that just that, you know they're both they're just just chatting basically for about so, 10 minutes like charlie gives the doctor a parachute yeah. if the airship's gonna crash yeah i thought they were gonna jump out land safely watch it crash end of story nope yeah so no. Frailing thanks the doctor for his help as rathbone approaches he's been heralded as a hero because he's captured yeah. the Triskelium energy weapon. So the Doctor yeah. gives him a big lecture and says, look, I'm just going to crash this ship to maintain the web of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he asks Rathbone to destroy the weapon, but instead Rathbone fires the weapon, which breaches the airship. It begins to plummet. Rathbone falls out. 
the Vortisaur appears, it just keeps going. Like, <laughs> like yeah. when the Vortisaur yeah, appears, again, I... I didn't anticipate the Doctor and Charlie jump on its back like the never-ending story and fly to safety. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not good. Like I say, I, 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 if I was script editing this, I would have, I would have junked all of the Vortisaur stuff, and I would have junked the majority of of this extended coda we get. Like I wouldn't have bothered with Rathbone stealing the gun and all the back and forth around that. I think you, you, you know, you've got, you've got Tamworth choosing the honourable path of, you know, for the greater good to protect humanity's future, guiding, you know, the Trischetti out of this, as as uh, the Doctor calls it, almost like an evolutionary cul-de-sac, um, and regaining their free will. That's an interesting philosophical note to end on. You've got the tragedy, the unavoidable tragedy of, of the R101. Rathbone goes down with, with them. You don't need all of this nonsense, do you? No. In order to tell a satisfying story. No, especially because when um, they've jumped out and ridden the Vortisaur to safety, yeah. they watch the airship crash, but the Vortisaur now fears Charlie, except yeah. it comes straight back and likes her again because she should have died, yeah. but the Doctor saved her. That disrupts the web of time, whatever. Yeah. And it consents where the TARDIS is, and then... Uh, the final thing is they call it Ramsey. The end. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that they needed some means of establishing that Charlie is essentially, from this point on, uh, like, a time anomaly. Uh, because that is, a, that is a plot thread that runs. And I think, you know, it's not a spoiler to say that, yeah. you know, and I think that's interesting because it gives, um, you know, it, it gives a bit of a through line to, to the stories that follow uh, and makes Charlie a more interesting character. Not that I don't think she was an interesting character to begin with. Um, and I like all of that. But, yeah, you could you could have done it in five minutes. From, leave, from leaving the Trischetti ship to the R101 going down in flames... You could have done it in five minutes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Matt. I'm sorry that that was a bit of a slog for you. I do... What I really hoped your, your chief takeaways from it was, uh, one, that McGann continues to be brilliant as the Eighth Doctor. And, like, a lot of people would say he is their favourite Doctor. Do you, do you kind of, like, do you get that? Uh, I think he, he's probably in my opinion? top half. Yeah, I think... Like, when I do my definitive ranking, because I'm one of those people, yeah, um, yeah, he's in the top half. Yeah. We, we haven't done that. Uh, when we get to episode 200, I think I'm going to rank the Doctors again. We haven't done that for a while. Mm. Yeah. No, I'd be I'd be interested in, in chatting through We're, we're getting close to episode 200. Oh, are we? Yeah, we're like two paying attention. We're on. I think this might be episode one hundred and ninety-three. Oh crikey! <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I. No, it's for me the big draw of this is eight and Charlie, and to a lesser extent, 
the historical element and the philosophical elements. I think that's all really, really good stuff. But it, it, it gets bogged down in being a slavish adherent to the classic format. Because, of course, this is this is four years before, you know, the comeback with RTD. And I think Big Finish weren't brave enough to to rethink how Doctor Who could be at that stage. You know, they basically, they were there to sell a product and that product was more of what you already like. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't blame them for that. But, you know, there... <sighs> You could make the same argument about a lot of classic Doctor Who stories is that by modern standards, they feel a little flabby because they were made for a different audience at a different time. Um, And so with hindsight, to still be trying to do stories in that sort of format in 2001, yeah, yeah, possibly they they, they could have been bolder in thinking in terms of, I don't know, doing hour-long episodes is the norm or something uh but it's not the route they went down so um yeah at, at least matt you can rest assured that it's going to be a while before we're doing any more big finish <laughs> few few a little while there will be a little more before the end of the year oh, but um not for a little while yet um so next up matt i can't remember what are we doing we are... next week now uh i do believe uh we are picking up where we left off with torchwood series one uh and i'm just looking up the name of the episode because i cannot remember it day one i know that because i accidentally not... put it out on twitter oh yes of course yes yeah, so uh i imagine you're going to do the same thing you did because obviously we 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 discussed everything changes the first episode yeah, of Torchwood. Yeah, I'll put the audio many, out many from that ago. Video. Yeah, so that will pop back up on your feeds, listeners. You don't need to sort of dig that out of the archives if you're curious. And then next week we will be discussing day one, uh, episode two of series one of Torchwood. And oh my god, there's so much Torchwood, Matt. We're in two episodes aren't we? that series. This is like thirteen of, episodes. We're like one of those bloody flagellants, like monks punishing <laughs> ourselves. Right. Can't wait to watch yeah. that this week. Yeah, what a treat. What a treat listeners. <laughs> so yeah. do join us for that. Until then, as always, thank you ever so much for listening. Until next time. Cheerio! Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.